Well, hey, what is going on, Liberty fans? My name is Nick Kirby, and welcome to the AC of Red live podcast. This is the basketball edition. The show is presented, as always, by Jason Roarder Real Estate, covering all of your residential and commercial real estate needs in the Lynchburg area and beyond, and our newest partner, Ironclad Coffee. Uh, I am joined tonight by special guest co-host, Chad Hassan. Chad, what is going on? Man, I love this show. I love it. Gets me pumped up for the A Sun turn. Like, I've watched a more A Sun basketball in the first like three weeks of A Sun than I have like in my entire life, and it's mostly because of this show. So, feels great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Chad, it's awesome to have you. Give him Will a week off. You know, when you're a doctor, you have to rest and recover. <laughs> so this is his uh, rest and recover week. He'll be back uh, next week with us. Uh, coming up tonight, Kyle Rhodes going to join us here in just a few minutes. Uh, our guy John Manson is going to check in. And, of course, Richie Longshots will be here, uh, hopefully uh, able to uh, take a few seconds away from some other sporting event that's going on tonight to give you his sage and wise picks uh, but before we get started, if you are watching tonight on YouTube, please take two seconds, hit that like button, and while you're there, be sure to subscribe to the AC of Red YouTube channel, uh, posting all kinds of great content, uh, press conferences, uh, Chad's been doing some interviews with the baseball team, all kinds of cool stuff, so make sure you're subscribed there. And then the Sea of Red podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Subscribe and leave a five-star review there. All that kind of stuff really helps us continue to uh, grow the show and provide you with more content. Well, Chad, let's jump into it. Let's just quickly recap the two games. Uh, first, the really, really good one to recap. Liberty destroyed uh, last year's regular season champ, Jacksonville State, 75-41. Brody Peebles was insane. Darius McGee was insane. Allowed uh, 41 points. Uh, one of the best defensive games in the history of Liberty basketball. Chad, what was your thoughts on this one? Oh, it was a blast. It was so fun to see. I was sitting uh, down there at the game, and uh, everybody was clicking. It was good to see Blake um, come, come into his starting role. I think it might have been his second game starting. Um, but, you know, it, it was fun to see. And, uh, you know, it's something throughout the last three or four years we haven't um, done that well, and that is cover the spread and then and then kind of blow teams out. And you've been harping on it for so long. And then the next morning we wake up and our, and we were ranked 53 in the net. And I was like, wow, Nick's a savant. He was right. So, uh, yeah, it was fun, man. It was it was a blast. Uh, it was really good to see the team uh, kind of click on all cylinders at home. And um, it, it was a fun game to be a part of. Yeah, it just uh, it felt like every piece of, of the defense was working. Jacksonville State, I mean, they just uh, they look lost from the tip. And, and I know Jacksonville State. Is, is struggling. Uh, our guy, John, had them dead last in the, uh, his updated power rankings today. Uh, but, you know, they, look, this was, uh, I feel like this, do you feel like this was kind of like a little bit of a statement win for Liberty? Like, hey, you guys won this last year. We're not just going to beat you. We're going to beat you by uh, uh, almost 40. Yeah. Uh, their social media account put something out like, uh, look who's back or guess who's back or something like that. And although um, McKay and team probably had um, didn't have any revenge on their mind. I know that us fans did, and I'm sure that it, when it got to a point, you know, I will say that 
that McKay has been really good about, um, you know, not blowing out teams in terms of like he, he believes in a little bit of sportsmanship, but he also has kind of come into the to the realm of uh, we have to blow out teams for our net rankings and that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, definitely had all things clicking and working in order to get such. I mean, the, the, we at one point we had doubled them up. It was 35 to 72. And and it was just like, wow, this is uh, this is quite the show. And before we get on to the next game, we're not as much fun to talk about shooting. <laughs> Let's talk about Brody Peebles. Uh, he's just been such a revelation for this team. And, and that that big, just extra score that, that felt like maybe at times was missing last year. Uh, what's your thoughts on him? And just is is it just feels like he's filling that the role that he's in as well as you could do. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody who's been around the program and the guys would tell you that um, we, I haven't seen it as much because I'm not in practice, but you talking to the players, they're like, man, Brody can fill it up. And he scored 3,000 points in high school um, in a competitive league in Alabama. And as soon as he got here, people were talking about how he could score. Um, I think he's taken it even to a bit, uh, higher level this year with um, changing some things on his shot. I know it kind of looks like it's not a quick release, but my guess is it's a little bit quicker than it was last year. Um, and, you know, he's he's deadly with it. He puts in a ton of time in the gym, and uh, he is one of those gym rats that is constantly trying to perfect his craft. And um, I would say less about Brody improving and more about the opportunity he's been given. He sat behind Keegan last year, who um, had a similar game being a knockdown three-point shooter. So I think this is more just like a coming-out party for for that Brody's always been capable of. He's just been given the opportunity this more this year. Really fun to see. That's the thing when you have a uh, – I mean, we talk about it a lot, but what McKay has done in terms of uh, year after year after year success, part of that is – Guys have to come in and wait their turn. And uh, I think, you know, it's really good to see Brody kind of be patient, wait his turn, and uh, now he's shooting lights out from three and contributing to uh, what's been an epic run here of late. Yeah. And then uh, real quickly, the uh, other game of the week. Uh, nope. We might have another slide for that. Oh, well. Uh, but Liberty does fall 62-59 to EKU. Honestly, if you look through the stats, it was surprising that that was only a three-point game. Um, Liberty just, you know, I think they were four for 23 for three. It was their worst uh, uh, three-point shooting game since 2017. I don't know. I, I chalk it up just to one of those games uh, where you didn't make a shot. And, you know, the the style that Liberty plays, you're going to have those kind of games. That style also is the reason they win so many games. Uh you have any other thoughts on that before we get to uh, Mr. Kyle Road here? No, I'm, and I know I'm going to be com- considered a homer, a Kool-Aid drinker, whatever you want to call, but I've watched enough college basketball, participated in enough college basketball seasons. You're going to have these outliers. I am very glad it came when it did. Um, no harm done, really. I mean, this team is so mentally strong. They're going to bounce back. Uh, we we lost a few fans. I will say that we lost a few fans who were drinking the Kool Aid and and running with the momentum. Uh, that that went that loss on Sunday to a good EKU team, an improving EKU team. 
Uh, a few of the fans fell off the bandwagon, but I am positive that this team did not fall off the bandwagon. They all still believe that they can accomplish all their goals. And me, uh, I just know that this, I mean, the be- one of the best teams in school history lost to Stetson and scored like 42 points or something like that. It just happens. You just hope and pray that doesn't happen to you in a, in a one-bid league. You hope and pray it doesn't happen to you in March. It just happens. You have those nights. It's funky. It's weird. Um, and, and, you know, as a stats guy, um, I studied these things called standard deviations and what standard deviations is you compile all the stats. And if it's an outlier, if it doesn't fall, if it falls a certain, um, percentage points away from the middle, then you don't even consider it. You throw it out. It's like, it's like, Hey, that doesn't even count. And that's what I feel like we can do with a few games. I mean, this isn't the last time we'll put up a stinker. In my in my experience, this isn't the last time we'll put up a stinker, and I'm okay with that. And uh, you know, I still think the team is built on things that are very uh, lasting, and that's defense and great shooting. So, uh, not a blip on my radar, um, although it kind of stunk Sunday. Not gonna lie. Yeah. I'm with you there. We'll talk more with that when we get into uh, more of our conversation with John Manson in just a minute. But let's go ahead and bring in uh, Kyle Road. All right. Joined now by Liberty Senior forward Kyle Road and Jason Porter of Jason Porter Real Estate. Uh, fellas, how are we doing tonight? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I was good right up until Chet Hassan brings in standard deviation on a Monday night. I mean, <laughs> doctoral flashbacks. <laughs> Well, we promise that'll be the last time of that tonight. No, we can't. We can't promise that here. Uh, Jason, let's have you go ahead and get us started here with some questions for Kyle. Yeah, a little bit of my thunder there, Nick, but as usual. But Kyle, I think if you would have chalked up the the uh, statistics that we just kind of ran through a 17% shooting night for you guys from threes, you know, atypical for you, nine point night, Darius has seven. Uh, the other point guards pick up the slack, but to have still only lost that game, only lost that game by three points. Um, you guys had a day or two to digest it now at this point. Obviously, it's a rearview mirror thing, but we get to go back and kind of be retroactive. What have you kind of seen on that as you thought about that on a long bus ride home, I'm sure? Yeah, 100%, man. I think uh, when you get in those kind of games, like if you're a basketball player, you've been through them, right? And so uh, I think the the best part about our system is defensively, we're built to stay in those games where, hey, maybe you're not shooting it well enough, but at the end, hopefully you got a chance chance to win it and uh felt like our guys were we were all saying the right things um trying to make defensive stands they they hit some some great runs nine points or 11 points whatever it was and and just to battle back be able to chip away and be able to tie it at the end i mean super proud of our group and uh especially especially when you're not shooting the ball well i know that fractures teams sometimes and even though even though it was a loss um everything everything we want in this season is still ahead of us and uh, yeah. So <laughs> the national championships on the night. And so I got a football related question, kind of a lot of people, well, coach McKay and a few others I have heard say that Kyle is, is the best leader we've had. And he's the Tim Tebow of this team. Right. So at any point, do you feel that you, we are at a point where you need to like slam the table and scream, not on my watch and do the whole Tim Tebow rah, rah, re thing? Are we at that point yet? And if we do get to that point, would you be willing to step up to the table and give us the Tim Tebow speech of your life if, if we needed it? Hey, that's a, that's a really good one. Uh, 
no, we're not at that point. <laughs> not falling, nothing like that. And uh, but yeah, whatever, whatever our team needs to win, I think uh, that's the beauty of playing here. Like everybody listens to everybody, right? It's horizontal leadership. Like you can input information, speak freely, and and you got guys that you trust with your life to to check you and to also call you up and call you out. And um, but so yeah, if that if that time ever came, I, I would definitely feel comfortable enough to to do that. But <laughs> not not right not right now good Kyle it felt like maybe the biggest positive of the game was uh the play of 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 Colin Porter uh playing against a really difficult team in terms of a team that likes to to turn you over and force steals felt like he really just stepped up in a game where everyone was cold shooting was that kind of your takeaway of the game just the uh the play of Colin yeah CP is so solid and he does he does everything you want a true point guard to be and to do he can shoot it he can pass it um, he has finishing ability, finishing ability at the rim, like we saw. And um, he's a gamer, man, and he, he did a great job. I know he was super excited to play back in in Kentucky, uh, like I was, and uh, he he did a great job. And and uh, that's that's what our team is, man. We're built up of, of guys that are ready for challenges to step up, and uh, when when their role is is needed more in some games, they're they're all about it. So he's a uh, he's been great for us, especially as a freshman. I'll take a peek at the standings now. We've got a little bit of a log jam in uh, second place. I know you're not allowed to look at that. We'll tell you, uh, but got four teams that are tied up at uh, two and one at that mark. Is that? Uh, do you think that's kind of a indicative of what of, of the season ahead of us, or is that just kind of an early early traffic jam? Yeah, I think I think 18 games in a, in a conference season. I think um, it's it's a long one, right? And um, teams after Christmas can can drop some, and teams can win some, depending on where they are. And it, it's a it's a long one, so you just gotta kind of gotta block that out right now, and uh, take it game by game, practice by practice, and then uh, that that stuff kind of shakes shakes itself out. I know I know the conference has gotten a lot better since I've since I've been a freshman as well, and um, it's super cool to see the level of basketball um, that the A Sun has right now. And, we're we're super excited that we're able to compete in it, and I'm um, just going to take it game by game, and and that stuff all shake out itself. Yeah, that's my question. <clears throat> On top of that, is we're watching again the national championship tonight. I'm going to keep saying that so Nick hears me. Um, the national championship game is tonight, and uh, football is one of those where game one can just ruin the rest of your season, and and game two can ruin the rest of your season basketball especially where we're at right now with our situation it feels like a crescendo to march do you guys feel that do you talk about that like you know we need to be playing our best ball in in march and does it make a game like sunday easier to shake off because you're like all right we still have all of our goals ahead of us and we need to improve from that and glad it happened now and not not later um uh, talk to us just about that whole um process of developing so that way you, you are playing your best ball at the end which is a little bit different than than college football yeah i think i think we kind of take it as a perspective of each game we're trying to stack each day we're trying to stack a day to where when march does come we're our best selves and in that uh that deposit um that we've been putting in all season uh really just keeps building on itself and and by march hopefully you're healthy and hopefully you're playing um, your best basketball. And I think, I think it's a little, it's different than football. Like you said, just because every game, one lost season doesn't get you out of the college football playoff. But uh, at the same time, I don't like to lose. I know we got a bunch of guys that don't like to lose. So 
uh, trying to trying to stay positive and keep that uh, perspective as best you can is is important though too. So, all right, here's my uh, stat nerd question of the night for you, Kyle. So, defense playing really well, seven consecutive games. You guys have allowed uh, one point or less per possession. Eleven of the last twelve. Last year, I think your high water was four. How how good is your defense playing right now? How happy are you? Uh, after a couple games earlier in the year where you, you know, had some teams that, that really, uh, you know, were able to put up some big numbers to get you, how happy are we with the, with your defense at, at this stage of the season? Yeah, no, I think our intentionality defensively has been, has been there and our execution has gotten a lot better. And, and still you can see how, uh, lapses of small incisions is like coach talks about can, can lead to 11 0 runs or nine 0 runs. And then you're, you're battling back. And so I think, we're going to keep getting better and try to eliminate those as best we can. But I think the the work we've been putting in daily is really, has really been paying off. And there's still another couple levels for us to get to defensively. And I think, I think that's the best part is we're still pursuing our best self defensively. And, and uh, it's, it's encouraging though, when you have numbers like that and, and you feel like you can get stops really whenever, whenever you want. And uh, I think that's the belief kind of we all have right now and, and going to keep building towards that. If Nick gets the stat nerd question, I get the sports medicine nerd question here, Kyle. I think uh, our audience may be a little bit surprised to know something. Post-game, when you guys are home, you go lift. And I think a lot of folks would be floored by that because I I don't want to speak for Nick and Chad, but I think when we leave the gym, we're, you know, uh, not thinking about that. We're dragging ourselves out and we're looking for an IV and whatever else. And yet you guys go to the weight room and get after it a little bit. Tell us about the post-game lift and uh, how that fits into everything, because that seems crazy to the civilians out here. Yeah, 100 percent. Once the game's over, you're normally due for another 45 minutes to an hour, depending on lift and recovery with Shrine and. The lift is great. Like Coach Hornet does such a good job uh, with our lifting schedule and programming, and um, it's really it's really specific for who you are as an athlete. And uh, we all go in there, and, and uh, it's really it's really kind of fun to be with the guys a little bit and and get a quick quick lift in. So it's it's nothing nothing too crazy, but it's really intentional and purposeful, and uh, it actually really helps too. So it's uh, pretty unique. Uh, Kyle, who is, uh, who on the team? I mean, we have leaders. You said it's horizontal leadership, uh, who on the team kind of, uh, can break the ice with, with the comedic relief here and there. I see, I mean, there's a lot of guys that clown around a lot of times, but who's the one guy that you can count on? Like, all right, you know, coach, just, uh, just let us, just let us have it. Everybody's tense. Uh, who's the one guy that can come in and, and everybody's like, oh yeah. Yeah, like he just cracks everybody up. Uh, take us inside of that little bit of uh, yeah team camaraderie. I think I think you would say Gabriel. I think you would see G McKay. I think uh, he does a really good job of. Uh, he's so well respected in our locker room and on the court. What he does, and and at the same time, he's got a he's got a great personality about him that and a leadership gift on his life that kind of like you said, it's he can he can make a tense situation almost feel comforting. And, but at the same time, like we know it's, it's still serious. So I think I would, I would definitely say G even if his dad is just, even if his in the situation, I just said, it's his father. The, the, the man who raised him is the one chewing you guys out. He, he still can, can uh, lift the mood that way. 
Oh, he's he's definitely had the longest time to navigate how that's to handle true. That. That's, that's true. That's so true. I think I think he's got a special gift in that. So nice, <laughs> very cool, awesome. Well, Kyle, thanks so much for taking some time to join us this week. Uh, two home games this week. Everyone, come out support the uh, support the the Flames, uh, uh, who uh, are having a great season, and uh, we can't wait to see what's next, Kyle. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Come out and support us on Thursday and Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that was our guy, Kyle Road. So, Jason, I got a question for you, Mr. Real Estate. So there's a big debate between buying a house or a townhouse. Well, what are some of the pros and cons with that? Yeah, great question, Nick. So I think the biggest part of it really is just going to depend on the individual and uh, knowing what would be the actual lifestyle that they want to have. Obviously, if you're in a townhouse, you've got a little bit more of a um, of a tight neighborhood community. You're not having to worry about mowing the grass and some things along those lines that you wind up paying for that offset uh, cost wise with uh, paying what's called the HOA, the homeowners association, probably heard about that. Um, but at the same time, when it comes to reselling, uh, reselling, or even with rent, uh, townhouses can be a little bit slower on the move because you're looking at a big block and everything kind of moves um, slowly. You don't have the most expensive townhouse on the block kind of a thing like you do in a regular single family home. So, to contrast that on the single family home side or the or just the home side of things, you're getting the yard and you're getting some space. And a lot of people, of course, sort of see themselves graduating from the townhouse and moving into a house because they want some space and they want the yard and the, the kids and the pets and the dogs and stuff to run around. So it just depends on lifestyle, a uh, whole different uh, category of discussion, too, when it comes to townhouse versus single family for uh, investment properties those kind of things too but uh, definitely speak that language as well if anyone wants to talk about that i'd be glad to um, offer some expertise and experience and a little sidebar on that uh, certainly help clients um, buying for themselves personally but also on the investment front both townhouses and single families are great investments uh, right now the market's definitely picking back up i got a question for jason i don't get it. i don't get a chance to put him on the fryer here too often jason it came up today I have a friend who is looking, he's a, he's in the construction business and uh, remodeling and all that. And he was like, I think me and my wife have decided we're going to flip a house. He wants to try to flip a house. And he, he was asking me and a couple of other guys, he was like, how much should I put into a house to flip it? Like if I buy it for a hundred thousand, is there some guidelines like, or is it just all situational or is there some guidelines like, man, if you're getting up there into 10, 20% of what you paid for it, it's probably not a good good idea to try to flip it. Is there some, you know, there's tons of guidelines in real estate. Is there anything general for that? And sorry if that's a, a put you on the spot there. No, for sure. I better be able to answer that. Um, it, it's all math, basically, Chad, is what it comes down to first and foremost. But most importantly, I'll just give you the quick equation on this. Uh, the quick equation is what you can resale the property for. You know, so in other words, after it's called ARV, after repair value, after you've done all the work, all the renovations, whatever else, what the house would go for on the market and actually sell, and you begin to actually work your math backwards. So you take that top sale price of, of what you would get for the house, and then you work your way down. And that tends to dictate, obviously, uh, whether it's a good deal or not. The last couple of years, uh, the margins have been so tight because the market's been so hot, it's hard to find the good deal and buy it at the buy it at the front side. But the other uh, famous thing on that is you make your money on the on the purchase and not on the sale. So in other words, you've got to really, really, truly buy low. But really, when it comes to the mass side of it, you sort of reverse engineer that going to that, uh, what we could put it back on the market and actually sell it for after the repairs are done. 
makes total sense, man. I appreciate. It. I knew, I knew, I knew there was a reason that that we were aligned on this podcast here tonight. So I'll I'll take that back to my friend. There you go. All right, Jason. Well, thanks a lot. Appreciate you coming on and all your support as always. Uh, thanks, we're going Have to... a good week. Yeah, yep, you, you too. You too. See you at the Liberty Arena this week. Right on. All right, we're going to play a quick clip from uh, yesterday's press conference with Colin Porter. I thought this was really interesting. Uh, haven't got to hear, hear a lot of Colin in the press. So we're going to play a quick from that, and then uh, John Manson will be on. Hey, Colin, uh, you know, tough night. You guys, uh, you know, were, I think, 4 of 23 shooting from three, uh, season low in percentage. Uh, was it just one of those nights where the ball just wasn't going in, or was it something EKU was doing to limit you guys getting good looks? Um, I think throughout the game we got a, a lot of good looks, especially late, and the shots that we hit. I mean, a high percentage of the time we work on it every day. So I think uh, it was just one of those nights where the ball didn't bounce our way, but uh, we're ready to get back in the gym and uh, watch film and learn and uh, be ready to go for the next game. And, Colin, take us back through that last play with, uh, what, six seconds left. You get into the lane. Obviously, they're going to let you have the two. Uh, but did you know you had Jackson there, or was there somebody else you were looking for, or was that how you guys kind of uh, Yeah, I believe uh, it was Darius and JJ on that left side. And, I mean, Darius, everyone knows what he can do. And they, they decided to stay tight, and I had another great shooter right next to him and JJ, and it's a shot that – if he's wide open, he'll hit at 85, 90% of the time. So we uh, we were happy with that result. I know it uh, was disappointing to come out on the losing end, but being able to get back to uh, your home state and play in Kentucky, and you had a good game uh, yourself. I know you traded for for a win, but what was, was it nice to be back close to home? Yeah, it was awesome to see family and friends. Uh, you know, it, uh, basketball consumes a lot of our time. Being five hours away, uh, this is something that, I don't take for granted to come back and see everyone. And uh, it's something that I'll cherish for definitely the four years that I'm at Liberty. All right. That was uh, Colin Porter. I think there was a, a guy that we might have heard uh, in our midst right now. I think John Manson might have been asking some questions there. But, yeah, I really enjoyed that that press conference from, uh, from Colin. Really thought it was interesting uh, how he said, yeah, look, the shots just didn't fall like – we, we were happy with the shots we got. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, um, uh, didn't feel like, like, you know, the typical, like, like, well, you know, they played great defense. And he's just like, yeah, the shots didn't fall today. John, was that kind of your takeaway? Yeah. I mean, it was just one of those nights. I mean, I think you, uh, tweeted it out there, Nick, that, uh, this was Liberty's uh, lowest percentage, there you go, since 2017, you know, 17%, 4 of 23. When you, when you shoot like that, I mean, it's only so many teams you're going to beat regardless of who you're playing. Um, and, you know, as good as this team has been, especially shooting the ball throughout the year, uh, I, I think, you know, I like our chances uh, most nights. You know, and I, I don't think we'll see many nights where Liberty only makes four threes in a, in a given game. Yeah, I mean – Eastern Kentucky shot 10 of 22. That's uh 46% from three. Honestly, if you like look through the box score, it's insane that this was a three-point game and that Liberty had two pretty good looks from three to tie the game at the end. Uh, See, so yeah, I don't know. We, we talked about it. It's just one of those, it's going to happen. John, I'm curious. I had said earlier, I'd talked to you about, and I've talked about this forever. Look, it, we always want to criticize living and dying with the three when it doesn't work, but 
this is what wins Liberty so many games. If Liberty didn't shoot this many threes, they're not going to be a, a legitimate top 75 team nationally with the personnel that they have. Do you kind of feel that same way? Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, this is the program that Coach McKay has built. I mean, you know, he's been here for a few years, and he's recruited guys to fit his system, to play defense, play that pack line defense, slow the game down, uh, you know, reduce the number of possessions each night, and guys that can shoot. I mean, there's plenty of guys on this team that can shoot. You know, Kyle is just on here. He's a great shooter. Um, you know, Porter, he's shooting, you know, right at 50%. Brody Peebles, right at 50%. Uh, obviously, we know what Darius can do. And, and then there's other guys. I mean, Shiloh last year, I know he's struggling some this year, but last year he was around 40% from three. Um, you know, and, and there's other ones. Jonathan Jackson, a three-point specialist who got the last shot uh, Sunday afternoon. And, and uh, you know, Isaiah Warfield, Joseph Vinzan, those guys are known for their defense, but they have – uh, shown the capability to to knock down an open three. And, you know, Zay had three really good looks the other night. And and each time he kind of, you know, I think part of it with him uh, is confidence. I mean, you kind of see that when he missed the first one, he was a little bit less uh, ready to, to pull the trigger on the second one. By the time he got to the third one, you could just tell he was not feeling comfortable or confident and he hesitated and then he took the shot. And then from then on, he was like, I'm not shooting anymore tonight. Um, you know, but, but, you know, that's, that's kind of what coach has done. He's built a team around defense and three point shooting. And as we know, he, he does not like, he likes either three point shots or shots at the basket. He doesn't like these shots in, in the paint or pull up jumpers or anything like that. He wants a three pointer or a shot right at the basket. And, and those are the, the most, um, efficient shots, you know, from a point perspective that a team can have. Yeah. Chad, you got anything else on this game before we move on? No, I'm ready to flush it. Let's get yeah. it out of here. Let's get it out. All right. Well, let's look at the uh, updated standings. Uh, Stetson leading the way at four. No, this was a team that went to overtime in an exhibition game against like a in double C double a three school, uh, John, you saw this coming, right? Uh, no, I didn't see Stetson quite uh, getting out to this this much of a, a good start. And they had a, a lot of a makeshift roster a little bit, a lot, a lot of new faces. I mean, Chase Johnson's now at FGCU, and I know that's a guy that's high on uh, Chad's list. But, uh, I mean, they're 4-0. They, they've got a couple of close wins, uh, two of them in overtime, Lipscomb in North Alabama, and, and uh, they knocked off UNF, um, and then also Jacksonville, both at home. So, so, so let's see. I mean, you know, this schedule, you know, it, it happens every year. You always have a team that kind of races out and kind of surprises a little bit. But uh, they got two road games this year or this week coming up in Kentucky, Bellarmine and, and EKU. And then, uh, you know, Liberty and, and uh, is right around the corner for them, too. So I, I don't think we'll see them at the top of the standings by the end of the year. Um, but but yeah, I mean, they're better than 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 um, I originally envisioned. Where would you pick them right now to finish the year if you had to? Um, I, I think it's Liberty, FGCU, uh, Kennesaw, and Jacksonville as the top teams. I don't know if those will be the top four, but I would still put my money on those being the top four teams at the end of the year. Um, so, you know, Stetson certainly with a 4-0 start, it's going to be hard for them to fall. You would think much further than, you know, that four to six range. Uh, so that's kind of what I'd pick them. And, of course, you know, if any Stetson fans or players or coaches get a hold of this, they'll, they'll uh, be sure to make sure I eat my crow at the end of the year when they finish second or whatever the case may be. But, but yeah, I mean, I think they're kind of, you know, an upper, you know, middle-of-the-pack type team. 
yeah, I'd agree. Like four to six is probably the uh, uh, the range that that I that I would put them at. Uh, here's the updated net rankings. Uh, you see, Liberty still still well ahead. FGCU still in the top 100, and there's been kind of a big drop off. Uh, Jacksonville uh, has really kind of uh, uh, come come crashing down the last couple weeks. Um, of course, can you believe Jacksonville State is 13th in the net, John? Yeah, that that's kind of crazy. I mean, but to be honest, they've really struggled. I mean, they're zero and four to start the league play, and um, you know they're just not the same team uh, that they were last year. Obviously, I mean, we saw that when they were up here in in Lynchburg last week, lost by what was it, thirty four? I think was the final score, final spread. Um, and I think I was texting some of you guys, uh, you know, pregame, like when I was watching the teams warm up and, and Jacksonville state has the look of a really good team. Like, I think I told you guys, like, you know, they won getting off the bus, right? I mean, they look legit and like, you know, they got a lot of athletes and guys that can, you know, get up and down the floor and stuff, but they just haven't been able to put it together. Now that, that's, that's one of those teams that if they end up, you know, the bottom third or so of the league, uh, which are probably headed that way unless they turn things around quickly. Um, I wouldn't want to play them in the you know first round of the of the A Sun tournament because you know it, when you're talking about playing a 13 or a 12 seed or whatever it may be, uh, you'd like to get a, a game that you feel comfortable you're going to win by you know 10 plus points. But uh, Jacksonville State, you know, if they can click start clicking, they're another team that likes to shoot the three. If they get a hot night, um, they could be a tough out and, and a team that could put put some others on upset notice. I got a couple, a couple just like I remember when we did this preseason, uh, we were talking about teams that we thought would finish higher and all this stuff. And I don't know if it was the A Sun like preseason video that they did where he talked to all the coaches, but man, I bought the Central Arkansas hype. I don't know, I don't know how, but I bought the Central Arkansas hype, and I was, I was buying the Bellerman hype. I thought that their coach had a system that that us three could go in and compete in the A Sun. Um, but you know, they're in the, they're 10th in the, um, net rankings. Um, and, and then Eastern Kentucky, that's another one that I thought would be really good or better than, than preseason rankings. And, and they are, so I was right on them. The two that I've whiffed on, 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 on said that they would probably be pretty bad is Queens, man. They've surprised me. I picked them at the bottom. They're a D two come up. And, uh, man, those guys are legit. I watched their game Saturday night. Uh, they are very good. And then um, Stetson, I mean, I like like you guys were talking about, those are two teams that I thought would finish down near the bottom that are up closer to the top half. And then two teams I had in the top half that are now in the bottom are um, Bellarmine and Central Arkansas. So those are my surprises. John, um, any one or two of those stand out to you about, like, where you had them preseason to where they are right now in the net rankings? Yeah, I mean, Queens, you know, just piggyback off what you you just said. I mean, Queens has really uh, shocked me. I mean, they they were a team that, you know, I knew they were very competitive at D2, but I still, I mean, Division Two and playing in a Division One conference race as you get into it is just is a whole different animal. And I figured once they got into it, uh, they would have a difficult time winning, you know, stringing together consecutive wins at, at the D1 level. But they've been able to do it. They did it in non-conference play. And, and I, I, you know, I learned quickly in non-con that they were going to be a team that, that were going to win some games. 
uh, during the conference season. So I, I, I'm still curi- curious to see where they'll end up. I'm not sure they're a they're a top half of the, the league type team. I don't think they quite have that that level of talent. Now their coaching and, and their team culture obviously is elite. Um, so so we'll see. I, I don't know if, if they'll they'll stay up there. Jacksonville is a team that's really interesting to me. I mean, they've got a lot of talent, a lot of pieces back from last year. A team that made it to the A-Sun tournament final game. I think they, were, they finished second in the, what was it, the North Division with Liberty uh, just a game or two back. And um, they play good defense. And but they have games where they just cannot make a shot. Can't buy a bucket to save their lives. And, but there. that you know that happened to Liberty on Sunday. But that happens to Jacksonville more times than not. I think so. Um, you know they're an interesting team. Their defense will keep them in most games. But in order to you know kind of compete with teams like Liberty or FGCU on a night in night in night in night out basis, uh, I'm not sure they have quite the uh, offensive firepower to do that. I would rather play Stetson, Kennesaw, or Queens. Or I would, I'm sorry, I would rather play Jacksonville than Stetson, Kennesaw, or Queens in the A-Sun tournament. I just think, I, I don't see how Jacksonville is going to outscore Liberty, especially assuming it would be a home game. I just, I don't see it. I, I don't see how that could happen, you know, barring just a game like Sunday or something that happens once every five years. Uh, I Central Arkansas is interesting to me. I don't think they're, that bad i mean i don't think they're good i think they're definitely a bottom half of the league but they have played at kennesaw at home against florida golf coast so they took to overtime home against eastern kentucky then they played at austin p uh, then they go at queens and at liberty uh this next week but then they're gonna play a lot of winnable games towards the end so i wouldn't be surprised if if central arkansas didn't they do this last year where they kind of uh mm-hmm. at the end of the year uh ended up almost like close to 500 or, or they, they snuck up on the bracket. I remember, I can't remember exactly where they finished, but I wouldn't be surprised if central Arkansas, they're a team that really lets games get away from them and really hurts their efficiency numbers. Like they, if they'll have games where they're in a game they, they play competitive for about 30 minutes and that last 10 minutes, it just, it, it just snowballs on them. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was watching their game against uh, FGCU and obviously pulling for the Bears to pull it out. And uh, they really should have won that game. What, I think that was a game that FGCU had a four point play that, yeah. like the last six or seven seconds of the game that sent it to overtime. Then, uh, you know, UCA just didn't have enough to keep up with them. So, you know, Liberty's playing them at home this week. I mean, I think that line's going to be somewhere around 20 or whatever. I know we'll get into that in a minute, but that's a big line for Liberty cover. Um, you know, in, in Central Arkansas, there's got they've got some talent. They had the rookie of the year, or the freshman of the year in the conference last year, and uh, you know he, he's a guy that can can get a bucket at any time. Um, you know, they got some talent, and, and they're a lot better, I think, than they were last year. And they may still finish last in the league, but they're not, uh, you know, a bottom feeder. I don't think. I, th- I think they're a team in the in the bottom that can, uh, you know, win a few games here and there. All right, this was for Will. I watched Kennesaw play the other night, and uh, Youngblood is a very good player, and uh, he's been around, it feels like, forever. Um, I whiffed. I whiffed on this one. I had Kennesaw tanking, and uh, I do think they'll finish in the top five in the league. Uh, They just have a bunch. You know, something you forget, you know, especially with college football being so crazy where – it's totally different mindset in basketball. A senior is, is, is 
a totally different player than they are when they are freshmen. It's like that year is just so important. And I think that's what I'm kind of learning the hard way this year with Kennesaw is I thought that they were all going to be the same players and they, they all stunk. And uh, no, one year of, of experience in college hoops, it can mean the world of difference. And uh, so I think that's where I went wrong with Kennesaw early in the year. I didn't give them credit for, for their age in that, in that year that they'd been together. I'm really high in Kennesaw. I'd probably give them like the third best odds of winning the ASUN tournament if I had to choose right now behind Liberty and FGCU. I think that team is is built for uh, a run just because they they have the offense. They're not a terrible defensive team. They're a team that can get hot. They're a team that can can play tough, and they do have some experience. So, yeah, I uh, I, I like that Kennesaw team a lot. I'm interested to kind of see how the the year plays out for them. Uh, let's take a quick look here at at where Liberty stands so far, where the wins and losses have. And if you're looking at this, uh, Liberty 0-3 in quad one, but 1-1 one one in quad two, 1-1 one one in quad three, 7-0 and oh in quad four. This is the kind of resume that's good. You're not great come March. I mean, this is uh, a resume that's not going to hold you back when you're talking 12, 13, 14 seed. You know, obviously this is assuming you win the conference tournament and that's a long way away, but it's always good to keep an eye on this. John, anything kind of stand out to you here on the uh, our, our team sheet sort of here that we've got? Yeah, I mean, I was looking at the Liberty team sheet uh, yesterday and I, I was just uh, had my fingers crossed that EKU was a quad three and not a quad four. And I was glad that was the case. Hopefully they'll stay there. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, I think Liberty will end up, you know, if they could end up unbeaten against quad four, that'd be huge. I think that'd be hard to do, obviously, because I mean, so many of their conference games, what do they got? Still 14 conference games plus a conference tournament left. Uh, and most of those are going to be quad four games. So, uh, you know, to go unbeaten against them would be huge. But, yeah, I mean, it's all about seeding. I mean, it's so much of a difference to be a 12 seed than a 14. I mean, if you're a 14, you're going to play a team like an Alabama uh, or, or someone at that level in the first round of the tournament. Whereas if you can get up to a 12, you can, you can get a team that's, you know, much more uh, beatable. I mean, there's still good teams on the four and five line, obviously, in the tournament. But uh, they're much more beatable. I mean, that's what we saw a few years ago, right, when Liberty got Mississippi State, a very good Mississippi State team who was probably underseeded that year um, as a five seed. But but Liberty got the upset and the win. And if you can get on that 12 line, it's huge. I, I was looking at some of the bracketology uh, predictions here in the last few days, and, and a lot of them have Liberty at 12, 13 kind of line. Uh, so, so, you know, that, that's a great place to be right now. You just got to kind of, um, you know, 14 more games left in the regular season. You got to kind of finish strong and, and uh, have a strong fin to finish the regular season. And then obviously, you know, in the A-Sun, it's a, it's a one-bid league. So you have to win the tournament. And, you know, that's just how it goes, you know. I had a comment about the movement. Go back to that other slide there. It looks like, uh, if I remember right, I watched last week and ORU and – and Northwestern were both quad two, so they've done a little bit of work to get up into quad one. Um, makes makes our quad two and uh, record look a little bit better when we're one and one. And you still go back to that Southern Miss game. I mean, uh, we were the better team. It felt like it just felt like that we just did, we came out a little flat. But um, yeah, I just wanted to comment on the movement of ORU and, and Northwestern up into quad one making our quad two a 500 and quad three 500 record. So that, that, that's pretty good. And, and probably will land us on a 13 seed if I was predicting right now. 
Yeah, Northwestern uh, uh, beat Indiana yesterday. They were seven-point underdogs, so that really helped them out. And then uh, Oral Roberts is actually playing a really awesome game right now um, against New Mexico at the pit. New Mexico was one of the last unbeaten teams, uh, so hopefully they can get a win tonight uh, as well. And then just real quick here, we'll do the uh, look through the Ken Palm. I'm really going to go into this, but if you're looking at this, it really kind of shows Ken Palm views Liberty much more dominant in the A Sun than I think Net does, as you see a, a, a much bigger disparity. Um, pretty much still like the top, you know, one through six. Stetson's a little bit lower, but um, I'm pretty similar. Just kind of, you know, the more, the more predictive model, which Ken Palm's more predictive than um, than the Net. Likes Liberty just a little bit better, even though Liberty is actually two spots lower. They just think Liberty's, I think, a little bit uh, 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 further ahead of the pack uh, than that. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to have a word from our sponsor, Ironclad Coffee. When we come back, we're going to look at Liberty's upcoming schedule, and then we will go to the Liberty line with Richie Longshots. Virginia's best and most flames friendly coffee comes from Ironclad Coffee Roasters. Ironclad Roasters serves up their beautiful beans at two cafes in Richmond, but you can enjoy their crafted roasted specialty beans from anywhere in the country by visiting www.ironcladcoffee.com. Place your order there and it'll be roasted to your order and shipped out directly to your doorstep. Whenever you find yourself in the Commonwealth, pay them a visit at their two cafes in the Richmond area. Ironclad's owners, the O'Rourke family, our proud Flames Club members, and are pleased to sponsor these podcasts by Sea Red. Hop on, hop on over to their website at www.ironcladcoffee.com now to get Virginia's best specialty coffee headed your way. All right, thanks as always to Ironclad Coffee for their continued support. Great to have them on board uh, with us as well. All right, let's look at our uh, player-updated leaderboard for Liberty Uh Obviously, Darius McGee leading the way. Joseph Van Zant continues to lead the way in the uh, offensive rating. John, real quick, I did want to ask you about a couple players chat. If you have any other questions for John, feel free to jump in. Uh, the big big movement has been Blake Preston taking over the starting role for Shiloh Robinson, at least temporarily. Any insight into that? Uh, it's kind of been interesting. Like we saw him uh, get the start uh, against Lipscomb. And uh, Sana Sajilan, I kind of, you know, wasn't too shocked by that. I mean, I, I was at first because Liberty had the same starting lineup all season until that night. But then, you know, when you look across the other side of the other team, I, you know, Coach McKay's done that the last couple of years. He's gone to uh, to Blake some. But uh, Blake's been – he's actually played really good this year, in my opinion, in, in his minutes that he's gotten. And he provides something that I don't think anybody else on the roster right now provides. Uh, he's actually – you know, he's a guy that doesn't mind going down in the paint, mixing around with some of the big guys and, you know, during, doing some dirty work down there, getting some rebounds and, and putbacks and, and things like that. So – um, you know, it's been nice to see, and and uh, it's another guy's you know veteran been around for a long time. And Chad actually got a pretty cool uh, photo of him the other day. I think it was uh, he. What was that, Chad? You got one of him and Darius. They came in the same year together back when they were on the recruiting trip. I think. Yeah, on their official visit, I got uh, Blake and Darius standing next to each other. And then at the press conference the other day after it was over, they talked about that. They talked about like coming in together and and being here for so long together. And um, we we got them a picture of the same the same exact picture uh, as they had taken four or five years ago. Yeah, I I love Blake. I love his game. Super efficient player. Very underrated. 
really feels like he just kind of embodies everything about the, this Liberty team where he's a guy who will go games where he doesn't play at all, but he's always ready. When, when he comes in, he gives you everything he's got. Uh, a big fan of him. I'm going to ask you about this, John, but I, I pretty well know the answer. I know yesterday uh, uh, Coach McKay said, I think, no comment when asked about Darius McGee and his injury. Do you know anything else? Um, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if he had something else happen at, at EKU uh, or in the previous game towards the end. I, I know uh, what was the game? Uh, it was a Thursday night. Was that the Lipscomb game that he got hurt and kind of left the game early or was that Jacksonville yeah, State? Jacksonville, yeah. Jacksonville. Yeah. That, that, that was a lower leg um, injury and he was hobbling pretty, pretty bad after that game. Uh, and I know he had, you know, back, you know, maybe a month ago, and I don't know how many people were paying attention, but uh, during some of these like non D one games, you would see him go over to the, to the bench at Liberty arena and be looked at by uh, trainer Aaron Schreiner, kind of like his hip or like, you know, back mid- middle part of his back a little bit. I don't know what was going on there. So, I mean, he's obviously d- uh, dinged up a little bit now. He's got a few different ailments. Um, I think someone was was talking about it. EKU maybe a hamstring. Uh, I, I don't know. I can't uh, confirm that or not. But uh, you know, he's got a lower leg uh, I- injury, and then I, I think he might also have a, a hamstring or thigh type uh, strain, maybe. And then, then maybe even something else uh, going on, maybe with his hip or something. So, I mean, but that's just you know he's logging a lot of minutes. And, uh, you know, he carries so much of the weight for, for the Flames. And, and it's smart for Coach McKay not to, to let on any more than, than, than he has to as far as uh, his injury status. But it'll be good. I mean, you know, th- this past, you know, two weeks or so, it was a lot of games in a short period of time. And, and especially from Thursday to Sunday, that was a quick turnaround against EKU. So hopefully now with, you know, a few days off, he can, he can rest up some of those bumps and bruises and, and be ready to go uh, Thursday night. Seems like Coach McKay's starting to get a little frustrated. Some of his comments yesterday with how physical teams are playing Darius and and, and how officials are letting them play that physical. Uh, are you kind of getting that sense to where he's kind of, you know, really just he, he had said that, that the strategy seems to be for teams just to kind of, I don't think he said beat up Darius, but that was kind of what, what he's getting at. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's talked about that a lot, you know, really this year and even some last year. He's talking about how physical teams have played uh, Darius and it's really off the ball more than when he has the ball. I mean, you know, guys, you know, playing one on one against Darius, you can barely stay in front of them. I mean, he's so quick and able to create a separation so easily almost that uh, it, it's really off the ball. So, you know, if you ever watch Darius, if you're at a game or, if, you know, you got a TV screen that, that's showing the view where you can see Darius off the ball, just watch him off the ball sometimes. And and I think that's where Coach McKay kind of gets upset is a lot of refs do not call those uh, fouls off the ball unless it's, you know, something very blatant. And, uh, you know, so it make Darius does a lot of work off the ball. I've, I've watched him several times during his career to sit there and watch him uh, try to move and, and get open off the ball. And it's a lot more difficult and challenging for him to do it now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I understand Coach McKay's uh, frustration, but, you know, that's that's just part of it now. And people know that that's the uh, recipe to try to slow uh, Darius down. And and uh, even still, though, he was still able to get a few open looks on Sunday against EKU and just wasn't able to knock him down. I mean, it's just that's just how it goes sometimes. 
All right, let's look at our upcoming schedule, and I, and I want to pose this for both of you. I'll start with Chad on this one, and then and then go to John. Look at these two games: North Alabama, Liberty, ninety-five percent chance of winning, eighteen-point favorites. Central Arkansas, ninety-seven percent, twenty-one-point favorites. I think I think depending on how severe some of these injuries are, you know, banged up Darius is, I think they should consider sitting him for one or both of these games. I would, uh, I would say that that won't happen. I'll say that won't happen because I think that Darius is playing for, um, his future and, uh, draft potential and pro career, and PPGs is very important to somebody like Darius to show that he can come in and score. Now, if he doesn't play, does it count against his points per game? But um, if he can go at all, I, I think he plays. It's not like, I don't know. It, it's it's one of those things where you have to do what's best. But really, by um, January 19th, so that's seven more days, is he really going to um, fully heal? Uh, I don't know. Um, but I'm leaning towards that if he can go out there at all, that um, he goes out there and uh, plays both of those, especially especially because of how heavily favorites we are. I think he can get in and get his 20 and, and then get those out of the way in the first half and, and then sit it out. But I don't know. I'm leaning towards he plays in, in both of those, even if he's, uh, if he's 80%. Uh, yeah, I mean, I... I I kind of agree with you, Chad. I, I think he'll he'll likely play. I mean, that's just uh, you know, Coach McKay and Coach or uh, Darius McGee's uh, kind of forte. They're going to play if they can. And, and and of course, we're saying all this. We don't exactly know the extent of his injuries and what he's dealing with. And it might be one of those things that, you know, unless you shut him down for the rest of the year, he's just going to be banged up. I mean, that's just what it's going to be. And and it's not one of these things that you can just you know sit him down for three days. And it's going to be any better or for a week or whatever it may be. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the rest would be good, but you know, it might be one of those things once he gets back out there and gets bumped again, it's going to, you know, flare up and it's just part of it. But I did notice, you know, I don't know if you guys picked up on it. I think it was very early in the game Sunday uh, that there was a turnover or uh, a long rebound shot that EKU got and, and kind of had a fast break and, and Darius was behind the guy and could have contested the shot, but I noticed he kind of stopped and just let the guy go for it. And, and when that happened, I immediately was like, okay, something's not right with Darius because he normally would have at least, you know, attempted to, uh, to contest the shot. So, and then from there, then on, he was, you know, he, coach McKay was pulling him out, not letting him play as long as he normally would. You would always see him over there on the stationary bike. So he's obviously dealing with something and, and you hate to see that, but, um, but yeah, I would imagine that, that he plays unless he just physically cannot go. Yeah, Central Arkansas is 341st in defensive efficiency, and North Alabama is 326. So probably good games, especially with the pace that Central Arkansas plays to uh, uh, get your numbers up. I just, if you look past these two games, this is really the gauntlet of the schedules right after that. At Jacksonville, at North Florida. I mean, that's almost like a, a situation where you're just hoping for a split. And, and then oh, sure. Versus- versus Stetson versus Florida Gulf Coast at Austin P, which is looking a little tougher. I mean, that is a gauntlet of a schedule. I, I get everything you're saying. I just, I, I hope we're not getting into like the Stetson game and going, eh, you know, Darius is still banged up. We could have rested him. Just, I don't know. Just more of a thought. I don't know the, the, the actual status of Darius. So I'm just speculating. I'm just saying if, if it's a thing where rest would be beneficial, 
I think they should consider it long term because the they can yeah. win these. They could these are games they can actually win without Darius. They're not going to win at Jacksonville. They're not going to win all those games without Darius. I agree with you totally. I just have been around McKay for what eight seasons now. Ten, how many ever seasons he's been at Liberty? And it feels like anytime we have a question of like, is this guy going to play or not? Should we rest him or not? It always turns out like, uh, yeah, he played. And it comes out like, and I've seen guys go out there hobbled. Like Darius was apparently like very apparent that he was hobbled Sunday and still kept him in there. So, I mean, looking at it from that, I would agree. Like if if this was if this was uh, any other situation, I would probably say that. Yeah, so we all agree, but it's not going to happen. He's not sitting. But, you know, looking at this schedule, uh, these next two games are very important. I mean, if, you know, of course, 95%, 97%, we're not thinking that Liberty is going to drop either one of these two. But if they were to, uh, that's not good going into these next several games. I mean, Liberty needs to – to get back on track and win these two games at home comfortably. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, going down to Jacksonville for those two games back-to-back, I mean, Liberty's never played good at, at UNF. Have they even won a game at UNF? I think uh, I remember when the, the ASUN tournament in uh, 21 was played down there. That was, Liberty had never won prior to that in that arena, but they didn't play the Ospreys then, but but they uh, they, they won the championship, obviously, that, that weekend. Uh, and then Jacksonville beat them. Jacksonville hasn't lost at home under their new head coach, Jordan Mincy, which I say new is now in his second second year there. So, um, you know, that's obviously a tough place to play. And then, you know, Stetson, they're back at home, but uh, like we talked about earlier, they're 4-0 right now. And then obviously FGCU, I mean, anywhere you play them, I think, uh, you know, they're right there. It's kind of a a toss-up game. I know it says 74%. I would not put 74% of my money on uh, on Liberty winning that game. I think the Flames will win, but it's more of a toss-up than that. And then I agree, Austin Pisa, another tough one. They're, They're a team that's playing a lot better recently. And, and that's a tough five game. And then you, at Lipscomb too, obviously. But those five or six games are there really tough. Liberty really needs uh, to come out and, and and get these next two. It shows you how how much of a emphasis home road is in in, in you know Ken Palm's rankings, where Florida Gulf Coast is 115th, Austin Peay's 226. But you actually have a better chance of beating Florida Gulf Coast according to Ken Palm. I'm with you on that, but I I you know I I do think. You know, there's a reason Ken Palm makes his living off these numbers. Uh, so there, there definitely is something to that. But yeah, this is a huge week for Liberty, and and uh, yeah, I mean, you hope that they can win these games at least close to their margin. I don't think a lot of people realize it, but if you only beat Central Arkansas by ten points, that's worse than the loss to Eastern Kentucky for your computer numbers. Um, so yeah, I mean, they they are definitely uh, important. Chad, any other final thoughts here on the uh, the schedule? Yeah, road games are so much harder to win in basketball because of the gyms. Look at EKU's gym; it had a concrete wall like ten feet behind the rim. I mean, I remember as a as a shooter, um, you know, back in my my peewee days, that you know when the when the concrete was that close, that's what I was used to. And then we went and uh, played in in some conv- some convocation type centers or civic centers. And they didn't have any walls behind the, I couldn't like it, the death perception was crazy. So I, I do think that there's a lot to uh, road games being a lot harder in college basketball than they would be say college football. I mean, in football, you're only getting like three points for road. 
games. I think in college basketball, you're getting a lot, a lot more just because of that depth perception. We saw it on Sunday. I mean, we shot 17% and there was a huge concrete wall right behind the rim. So it's, it's weird how that, how that can impact. So no, that was just, yeah, there you go. I tried to sh- I was show my wife this. I was like, yeah, I mean, look at the ceiling is a really cool looking place, but I bet you it was pretty hard to shoot there with that big white concrete right there and just such a high ceiling it's just a unique type gym yeah all right well we're an hour in we're rolling we're doing well it's now time for the liberty line the big baller brand richie long shots is in the house what is going on you know not much i I was getting ready um listening and i heard all right we're gonna take a look at the schedule and comes back to you guys and I hear, all right, let's talk about the lineup changes. I'm thinking I got about 25 more minutes before I have to <laughs> have to fully get ready. Uh, but no, uh, chilling, living life, turn the football game off. Cause that thing is curtains. That game is over. <laughs> uh, it was done about halfway through the first quarter, but poor TCU. Great season though. Do you think, uh, you think George is going to cover my seven and a half point spread? Yes. Okay, yeah. good, good, good. Yeah, I could play quarterback for Georgia in the second half. We'll cover the second half. We'll cover seven and a half. <laughs> Just Neil, <Nope>. right? <laughs> it was funny to watch viewership go yeah. up, um, watch the viewer counts go up. Whenever Georgia would score a touchdown, viewers would, would like peak. And then, uh, oh. so it's been a blowout. Um, I know, John, during that whole thing, uh, you know, first of all, John and I can get together and just talk way too much. Uh, So sorry, Nick, for trying to corral that and for Richie for being behind schedule. Second thing is, uh, John, there was some breaking news during that. We got a football commit and I saw John trying to work that out while answering questions. And, you know, he has to be right on top of it. Plus, there's a lot of questions around the Liberty Twitter bracket challenge right now. Uh, there's tons of mentions and people asking questions. So John's got his hands full tonight. I hope he sticks around and watches this uh, because he is, uh, he has been hot picking against the spread here recently. Yeah. John has been hot six and three in the last week, creeping up closer to 500. Uh, is anyone going to catch Richie Longshots? I mean, how comfortable right now do you feel with your, what are you six ahead of me right now? Not very comfortable. All it takes is, you know, a week where you have nine wins, I have three wins, and we're back to and we're back to even. So, no, I don't think n- nothing's safe. We still have all of February to go, uh, but no, nothing is set in stone yet. And there's a lot of a lot of basketball to be played. Yeah, I don't think I've had a week above seven wins all year. So, we'll uh, we'll see about that. Here was last week's. Let's get to this week's picks uh, first. Tomorrow night, fun game. UNC at Virginia. Uh, we all went with the uh, the Cavaliers minus four. Long shots. Uh, riding the number one team in the country preseason to cover the four-point spread. Yeah, so ever since Carolina was knocked out of the top 25, they have kind of started to really right the ship. UVA's one and four in their last five against the spread, and, and UNC looked great against Notre Dame. Um, Baycott is one of the best big men in the country. He, you know, plays above his size. Um, and I just think UNC is playing really well right now. UVA again, one, four against the spread. Um, I don't think UNC is going to have any trouble going on the road, um, against Virginia. This, this team has played in, I think probably the biggest college basketball game in history against Duke in the final four last year. So I don't, I don't think going on the road is a, a concern at all. So, 
uh, you know, one possession game, give me, give me four points. Yeah. I, I definitely think Virginia is going to win, uh, but I think it'll be close. I think this will be one that's uh, last possession. Is it the four point spread or not? All right. Uh, next Wednesday, Alabama at Arkansas, really fun game. We, we completely split on this. Um, I went with Arkansas. Uh, I feel like Arkansas has had a lot of like tough breaks this season. Um, if you look at some of like shot quality and stuff like that, they really like Arkansas. They faded Alabama a little bit. Uh, but I love the Crimson Tide. I, I, I said before, that might be one of my uh, uh, sleeper national champion picks. Uh, let me Alabama's jump in here. Wagon. Sorry. I'm just going to jump in here and say that I'm playing the strictly playing the numbers. Like, there's no way that Alabama should be a one-point favorite. I mean, given the rankings, given what they've done this season, given everything, there's no way. So I was like, when Vegas knows something, Richie taught me this a long time ago. Uh, when Vegas knows something, you ride with Vegas. And I know he's going to say Bama's a wagon, but if you're looking at it from just like just like glancing at this thing, which is basically what I did, I'm saying, no, there doesn't make sense, so I'm going with Vegas. I love a one point, two point dog at home. I I I love that. I test. Alabama has been the real deal. Um high majority of their games this year. I'm gonna try to pull up their record on the road, but they look great. Um thirteen and two this year. Conference game. They they've covered their last three. Three and one away against the spread, Arkansas five and six against the spread at home. So Bama could do it on the road. They just, that was a throttling of Kentucky and we'll get into Kentucky later, but that was a throttling. That was a statement win that they're, I think they build off of. This is why you're in first place. Yeah. yeah. Dang it. Arkansas 10th again, Palm though. This is a, uh, they're a good team. And this is uh the, Arkansas is not Kentucky. <laughs> they're, they're tough. No, this, I, this is a fun agree. game. A, I think this is the first time I've faded Bama all year. So no, I, I love Bama. I just, yeah, I need a couple more points. I'll be interested. This is a, f- a really interesting uh, actual spread because I have no idea what the is actual- it out yet. There's no look ahead yet. But I mean, I j- I just looked. Arkansas's last five games, they lost to Auburn, they beat Missouri, they lost to LSU, and then they beat Asheville and Bradley. So like, Whoa. what, what did, are we doing here? What have they done at home this year? They haven't lost at home this year. Those games are on the road. It's a different. It's a different environment. You you. You have a huge boost. They're tenth in Ken Palm. I don't know. We'll see. This will be a fun one to watch. Now I'm now I'm more invested in this game. <laughs> right? I'll be watching it Wednesday night. All right. I uh, I faded the Flames. I hated doing it. Uh, there is no way I would take North Alabama plus eighteen if uh, I knew for sure Darius McGee was hundred percent. But with Darius McGee not being hundred percent, that's a lot of points for me. Uh, that's pretty much it. That's my entire logic on this. I think he plays. Like you said, he's going to want to play. He's going to want to be involved. It might be a Darius plays the first half type situation. And if that's the case, we cover 18. Um, I, I think we have a we have enough depth to, if he does come out and we are, you know, if we're up 20 points at the half, I'm not worried about some of the, the, the six, seven, eight guys coming in and just letting up and blowing the lead. I think you can kind of keep it consistent if, if it is a big, big lead at half and he does come out. Yeah, North Alabama has been a decent 
better than than recent years this year. I mean, they they just lost to Stetson in overtime. Uh, only a four point loss at Bellarmine. Uh, they did beat Jacksonville State uh, on the road, uh, so they're an interesting team. And they also had a, a crazy win over Ole Miss that uh, I think it was a very fluky game, but you know what, whatever. But Chad, you're you're what what made you go with North Alabama in this one? I love their coach. Uh, he's been consistent for a long time, um, you know. And sometimes in conference play, you can throw all of that out because this coach knows that coach, this system knows that system. And uh, they can game plan. He's been game planning for Darius McGee for a long time. And, uh, you know, I just think that he he understands. I mean, they feel like, I don't know, it feels like the last few times we've played them, it's been close. And, uh, you know, I just sometimes in conference games like this, um, I mean, we absolutely obliterated Jacksonville State. But in conference games like this, especially when the coach has been around for a long time, I feel like you just have to play – to a, a at least a 10 point game when it's 18 you're like man like tony's not going to come in here and get beat by 18 not 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 i don't know even if he doesn't have the horses he'll have the strategy you hear me out though darius doesn't play he zigs we zag yeah now that's true that's true i don't know if i want to zag i don't want to zag without darius i'll be honest I, <laughs> i'd rather zag any other way but uh not without darius it, it, before this year liberty really struggled to cover these big spreads this is kind of the yeah. first year that that it's happened a that lot too. so yep. this is i'm interested to see how, how these games great play point. out that's a great point all right, we're split on this too. Florida Gulf Coast at Eastern Kentucky. I think this was the one game that I went back and forth the most on. Uh, all the numbers just support EKU. I, I like in my gut think no, EKU is not going to win, not going to play that well in back to back games against the two best teams in the the conference. But all of the numbers that I looked at completely supported going with EKU. Long shots our champion. You're you're going with that. You both of you guys are going with FGCU. Yeah, I just think you know EKU just won that game because we missed we were four of twenty one from three. We hit two of those threes. We win this game. We win that game. We hit three of those threes. We we win that game and cover. So I fully expect FGCU to to shoot well. Um, their numbers on the road not that bad. Um, I'm I'm surprised. I, I thought this would be more five six points. So I will. You know, trust FGCU on the road, um, experienced team. You know, EKU, did you see that celebration in the locker room? Might have been reading their press clippings. Uh, <laughs> Party a little too hard. So, yeah, no, they're they're way too amped up for winning a conference game in January that I think Florida Gold, Florida Gulf Coast comes in and humbles them. Well, welcome back, John. Any uh, comments on the uh, first uh, three games? Uh, no, I, I'm uh, riding with Liberty, especially in these home games as big, big uh, favorites until they uh, flame out. Sorry for the pun. And uh, and I'm with you on uh, on Alabama. I, I'm not picking against them after seeing what they did to Liberty back early in the year. Uh, I'm not picking against them. I think I picked uh, the, the Crimson Tide every time we've had them during this uh, pick them contest. And uh, I'm going to continue to ride with them. Uh, speaking of slipping up um, after a big win, did you see the guy in the celebration almost break his neck? The head coach come <laughs> flying in the locker room like, 
uh, it slips. And I was like, man, the, like they, they got him up off the ground and he was able to have a little bit of a water fight there over after a, uh, a conference win. But, um, yeah, I do think that EKU is going to take, follow that lead and they're going to slip up here against, uh, FGCU after a big win against Liberty. I couldn't go away from the numbers. I do think though, when EKU comes to Liberty, Liberty is going to beat them by 30. Uh, but on to Jacksonville at Kennesaw, this line has got to be more than minus two because if this line is actually minus two, uh, I'm putting a lot of real coin on this one. <laughs> I agree. I saw that and I went, oh, all right. I wonder if J- uh, Jason Porter's got a home equity line of credit guy we can get that, that will get us like <laughs> get us a ton of uh, bankroll here. If, if this line responsibly, yeah, responsibly. If this guy, if this is if this is minus two, um, yeah, let, let's get it. Yeah, J- Jacksonville's three and six um, against the spread this year on the road. Kennesaw State um, back at home. Last two games have been away. Uh, I love a team coming home for the first time. Imagine you know it's going to be a decent crowd. Students coming back to campus, but yeah, this should be should be a runaway. So the free square those of for you, the week. Those of you listening that are considering taking that advice, don't. Anytime we all pick the same team, no. it, it fails. <laughs> so uh, Jacksonville's going to win that one straight up. Yeah, yeah. If, if when you see we, we should get someone to run the stats of like when we all four pick something what what actually happens now the last couple we've we've actually we we started off really bad on that but yeah. the last couple i think we've done pretty well we didn't have one last week that We're was the swing of things now i saw one down there go back last week i saw one down Did there where's the bottom unf unf yeah, yeah we all missed that one kennesaw. Yeah. oh kennesaw we all got kennesaw and got kennesaw, kennesaw though so fifty percent. So somebody get Jason Porter's home equity line of credit guy. On oh, the then line. we also had the Liberty game. I'm re- go back. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I feel like Liberty shouldn't count though. If that's we were two and one, one last week. Yeah, that's a we're profit. A, we're hot. We're hot. Two, two and one is group ride. Here we go. All right, I'm the only idiot that went San Diego State <laughs> minus eight. Uh, I, I think I think people overhyping New Mexico a little bit with their hot start. San Diego State, this is their conference. They are going to come out. They're going to want to have a, a statement win, and all the numbers support them. I expect San Diego State to win this game, but eight points is a lot against a good New Mexico team. Let me they tell average you why a ton I picked, of points a game. Oh, sorry, Richie. This no, is why bad. I picked New Mexico is because they paid Richie McKay like 400000 for his first two or three years when he was our coach. Um, because he was making 600 there he came here and was only making 200 but part of his buyout was they had to pay the difference for like the first three or four years so ever since then i've been been riding new mexico thank you for that one point i don't know 1.5 million 1.4 million that um they paid mckay to to come here um i love that so go lobos yeah um San Diego State four nine this year uh, against the spread as favorites. New Mexico two and zero against the spread as underdogs. And again, they have a high powered offense, and they're gonna they're gonna be shooting all game long. So in, in a game like that, give me give me eight, I'll take it. New Mexico has a bit of the uh, tournament since two thousand fourteen. So suck on that for getting rid of Richie. Little was bad. that the team? Was that the team? Is that the team that sh- that they shot the guy? Or is that no, New Mexico that's, State? That, that's our that's our, our that's uh, our future conference future conference rival state. Man. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah, not picking against them. I am not picking <laughs> against them. I'm, whatever. Hey, it's New Mexico State all day. And by the way, 
if we're going to give Richie a contract extension, um, can somebody get New Mexico on the phone and see if they'll see if they'll pony up some of the cash? That was a good <laughs> deal for us. I like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, Saturday, Kentucky at Tennessee. Kentucky has looked atrocious. I don't know why I picked this. None of the numbers support this. I just, 13 points for Kentucky. They were a preseason, like, top 10 team. Just a lot of points. I don't know. Those kids went to Kentucky to play in the Final Four, and they are going to go back to the NIT. Those kids have quit. There's some Coach Cal's seats getting a little warm. They They haven't won an NCAA tournament game in, like, four years which is insane. Sure, you, you got COVID, but that's an insane stat. I think Kentucky is just dead team walking. Um, rivalry game two, Tennessee's going to run it up. It could get ugly. I, again, I picked this because uh, Coach Cal on the hot seat. I saw those I saw those articles flashing. Coach Cal has a lifetime lifetime contract at Kentucky. He it, He's not going anywhere. And he's not on the hot seat. Kentucky cannot fire him. There's not enough money in that state to fire Coach Cal. Uh, he's not going anywhere. And this is where he gets those guys uh, gets those guys right. And uh, you know they're going to surprise us with a second half run. Watch. There's too much talent down there, and he will pull the right strings. He is uh, when you're talking about motivator of elite talent and sometimes drama queens. Uh, that's that's right up coach K uh, coach uh, Calipari's alley and uh, he'll have this team clicking they easily cover 13 against Tennessee uh, that's another one that I'm willing to parlay with our Kennesaw pick all right yeah I like the uh, the bullets they they're still 25th in Ken Palm so I I think they feel worse than they are that's what I'm going with all right, Saturday, Stetson at EKU minus one um I just it, it's hard to take a uh a home team that's only minus one. If this, I think this line will probably be higher. And, and if this line is like EKU minus four or five, uh, I actually really like Stetson uh, in, in that type of line, but I just, I, I can't go with, with minus one. No, ESPN has this game with EKU as a 72% chance to win. And that line's still only at one. That's it's kind of fishy to me where like, if you said, if this line gets to, to four or five again, I'm not partaking in sports betting for the month of January. However, if I were and the, this line Stetson at plus four five, it might have to uh, wet the beak a little bit. Hammer it. And uh, it's in that gym we just saw a picture of. So Stetson, good luck shooting in there. Stetson, man, I, I don't – that team's just wild. I, I have no idea what to expect from them on a, on a nightly basis. So Interesting. Interesting team. It's time for Stetson, the Hatters, to come back down to uh, reality. They're not going to escape this week undefeated. Um, so, you know, why not lose here? All right. We'll see if the uh, wood ceiling does them in. Uh, Austin P at Lipscomb. Long shots. You are the only one going with the, uh, the Bison minus four. Yeah, every week I have one of these games. Uh, I just strictly go off my gut, my instinct. I don't look at any of the numbers. Uh, and I did look at the fact that uh, Austin P. they're the governors. You can put a bet on a team called the governors. Not a chance. Give me Lipscomb. Austin P. coming off back-to-back wins over Florida Gulf Coast and uh, a 
24 point win over Central Arkansas. So I thought that team was uh, dead in the water in the A Sun, uh, but uh, they're they're playing well. It just just a wild league, especially after like that top six. It is anyone's guess beyond that. I don't know how much uh, any of you guys have looked ahead at some of these conference schedules. But the A-Sun has done it the rest of the way. It's going to be a Thursday, Saturday pretty much every week. And you're playing, uh, you know, travel partners. So, like, EKU and Bellarmine, everybody's going to go play those two games at once. Or Central Arkansas is matched up with uh, North Alabama. Liberty is matched up with Queens. So you're going to play those two. But then your travel partner, the week that you play them, you play them back-to-back. So that's what's going on with Austin P and Lipscomb, their travel partners. They actually play twice this week. Uh, Liberty will play Queens twice in the same week at the end of the regular season. Uh, so this is actually a home-and-home home week between uh, the Governors and the Bisons, and this is the second game. Uh, back at Lipscomb, so kind of interesting little nugget there. I understand being from New Jersey, you don't like your governor, but down here in Virginia, we typically like the governors, so that's why I went with Austin P. You don't know who I voted for. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's turn this thing political. What do you got? What do you got? You got any political lines for us, Nick? I'm just no, kidding. definitely, on to, definitely on no. On to Kark and Kark? I cannot believe I I I put Kark plus 21 it's just i i don't just dairy status it's a lot of points i have to be careful saying kark on this show yeah i will sometimes say with that, that southern accent i don't know what y'all are talking about i will <laughs> say that um you know the, my main reason for picking against liberty in the spread these two games this week is because of our history of not being able to blow out conference opponents i think that jacksonville state is the anomaly um, I do think we win both of them, but 18 and 21 against conference opponents is a lot for a Liberty team that typically beats conference opponents by 9, 10, 11. Not for the best team in school history. Oh, here we go. There it is. We, there it is. Nick, Nick not, told not me now. I got to get to bed. Yeah. Not now. <laughs> Nick told me before you came on, do not ask John about that. And I said, yes, sir. <laughs> I've been I've been waiting for it, but hey, let's let's do it. Now, if they beat Central Arkansas by 21, it's consensus. Slammed up. I mean, they're, it's it, done. Debate's closed. <laughs> shut it down for the year. It's over. It's done. All right. Rounding out our week with a fantastic mid-major game. North Group Texas ride. at Florida Atlantic. We're all going with Florida Atlantic. Uh, I got bit by Florida Atlantic last week. I'm going to try again. Uh, I think I was the only one that uh, had them uh, – minus five against UAB and they won, but it was only by two or three. This is a great game. I, I love these matchups. Uh, is FAU staying in CUSA or is that FIU? Yeah. FIU staying in conference USA. FAU is going to uh, the uh, AAC. Unfortunately, this is, this was uh, for the Boca mayor mayor. This pick was for you. Yes. Our good friend, the mayor of Boca, Raton. our great friend, the mayor. Yeah. So, who you know Jared. is locked in right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he told us to bring our businesses down to Boca. And we're considering it. Yeah. We might be doing the show on the beach next year. Uh, <laughs> FAU this year, 10-2 and two against the spread. It's preposterous. Yeah, the, the, one of the two they lost was one I picked. <laughs> yeah. So I saw I Thanks, think, yeah, Dallas. riding Boca. Yeah. I like FAU. FAU's a good team. FAU's the kind of team that uh, they get in the NCAA tournament, them or UAB, that sweet 16 potential for yeah. sure. All right, fellas, 
Any final parting words? I, I'm not even gonna do a closing. I think we we've uh, we've beat this to death. Any final thoughts, guys? Yeah, I do want to get John's thoughts on uh, John. You had a tweet earlier from a sea of red that said it was it was John. Uh, John, you had the tweet that said um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It did say during the game we were we were thumping Jacksonville State. Former former we were on a hot streak. Hadn't lost in a while. The team net was really high, and you said this team may be the best team in Liberty history. I did see, for, for people who took that and ran with it, you did a reply tweet directly to that one and basically kind of talked through it. Um, was that just you feeling good that night? Were you really thinking that they really could, if they stayed on that trajectory, become one of the best teams or the best team in school history? Talk to us a little bit about that tweet. Why then? Why in January? Why? Uh, why did it feel right to say they may become the best team in school history? Sometimes when you, when you're feeling something, you just got to go with it, man. I mean, so uh, that's what I did. But but no, I mean, I I do think that uh, this team has the potential to go down as the best team in school history. It's January. What is it? The ninth tonight. So and, and that game was, I think, the fifth. Uh, we, we don't know. It's, it's too early to be talking best team ever. I, I agree with that. But uh, sometimes when you're in the heat of, heat of moment, just got to go with it. But I do think this team has the 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 potential to get there. I mean, you know, if they end up, you know, you know, with you know, 13, 14 conference wins plus, uh, win the conference tournament. And then you never know. You get into the big dance with a guy like uh, Darius McGee. You never know. I mean, I, I wouldn't count uh, Liberty out with him, at, you know, on that big stage at any time. And, and and plus, like, this is Liberty basketball we're talking about. Some of these people that are saying, oh, this team is nowhere near a top five of all time or wouldn't sniff it or anything, like, uh, yeah, that's not true. Like, let's go back and look in the history books. There's not that many Liberty basketball teams. Look, I'm the biggest Liberty fan of all, right? But – there's not that many Liberty basketball teams that couldn't literally be on that, you know, quote unquote Mount Rushmore. I mean, yeah, the, the, the 2019 teams, the 2020 teams, both of those teams, I think are the kind of standard bears right now as the top two teams in school history. Uh, you know, probably got one or two others there in the McKay era that would, would uh, rival that. i also think the 1997 team, uh, that did not make the NCAA tournament that lost in the A-Sun championship game or the Big South championship game back in the day was a very good team. But, but I mean, yeah, look, I mean, you know, and it's a long ways to go, but if Liberty ends up a top 70 team, as you see here, it's the second best finish in Ken Palm of all time. The only better one was 2019. So, you know, it's not like, you know, that, that, tweet was it a little early yes it was a little early i get that i mean we shouldn't be having those conversations till you know may and june when there's nothing else going on but um but i i think the team is uh has the potential to be that good and, and the key is the defense if the defense keeps playing the way they have been playing especially prior to the eku game not that they didn't play uh well there they, they were a fine but uh, if they keep playing the way they were those first three uh conference games I'm not sure there's many teams in the league that's going to be able to beat Liberty. I mean, we saw how poor Liberty had to shoot against EKU for them to to be able to, you know, hold on for a three-point win at the end. So, um, no, Liberty was never going to, you know, go 18-0 and in conference play. Um, so just because they lost EKU doesn't mean that, oh, okay, that tweet, you know, may as well delete it at this point in time. No, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I think this team does have the potential 
to cert- I think it's probably already a top five team unless they completely tank the next uh, six weeks. It's probably already in the top five of all time. And uh, it, if they finish like I expect them to finish, I think the floor is a top three of all time team. Hey, I love it, man. 50, 53rd in the net the next morning when we woke up. Yeah, I was making it feel like they did have that potential. So, uh, Nick, you got something pulled up here. What do we got? This is the the Ken Palm. Just kind of backing what John was saying. I mean, yeah, this is the second highest Ken Palm ranking in school history. So, get out of here with this. this isn't a top five team. That's garbage. But I mean, this is a sixty third in adjusted offense, eighty first in adjusted defense. The uh, two thousand nineteen team is the only team that was in the top one hundred in both of those. So this is, you know, a legit top 100 offense, top 100 defense. Only happened once before. Didn't happen to the 30 and 4 team. That team was 107th. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this team is really, really good. Um, I, I don't know how the rest of the season is going to play out. Uh, but uh, this is a good team. And yep. uh, anyone saying otherwise is uh, misinformed. Yeah, and to go from being whether you're the third best or the greatest of all time, I mean, a lot of that comes down to, uh, NCAA tournament, right? I mean, you know, it, you or even like if Liberty were to somehow get beat on a buzzer beater in the ASUN tournament final, I, I don't think you can call this the best team of all time because you didn't achieve your ultimate goal. Uh, but if they do, and if they were to win a game or two, well, then you know, now let's have that debate. Let's have that debate between this team and and uh, those two teams. I, unfortunately, that 2020 team didn't get the chance to get in the NCAA tournament, and we could debate this another time. But I think the 2019. Uh, team uh, get, gets an unfair rap, which is kind of crazy considering it's the only team in school history to ever win any silly tournament game. But that that team was was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, great stuff. The numbers supported that uh, the A sum was a lot worse, so I I, I think the numbers could have got maybe a little skewed between the two years. But yeah, I, the 2019 team, I, I I think that's the best team. I don't think the 2020 team got a fair enough shake. And obviously, they go win two games in the NCAA tournament. They're in numbers, end up looking a lot better. So, uh, who knows on that? But let's uh, wrap it up there. We uh, we only went an hour and a half. I mean, pretty short show tonight. Um, but as always, if you haven't, for some reason, you're still watching and you're not subscribed to a Sea of Red, you probably are. So subscribe. We appreciate that. Uh, if you are watching, uh, we are planning mostly Sunday nights. The rest of the year, we'll be back. Sunday night in the next couple weeks on Sunday night. So look forward to that. Uh, Richie, probably, probably not Super Bowl Sunday, I would imagine. Oh, no, we're going head to head, baby. We're going head to head. It worked well with the national like, championship uh, no, game tonight. I don't think it's going to be 45 to 7 that happened the Super Bowl. We'll see. <laughs> um, let's, let's go head to head with Taylor Swift. Is she the halftime show? Let's go right at halftime. Tell you, that'll be great. No, I think I might actually do well with our fan base there. You take the only preacher out of this show, and we just blow blow the the total time out of the water. Uh, <laughs> something's wrong. We we might have missed our call. I think Southern Baptists are quick, right? They're like you know, twenty minutes in and out on Sunday. No, yeah, I wish. Probably <laughs> don't go to my church. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor Joseph. That's a great way to end this night. Have a great night, everyone. <laughs>